Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the Infatuation Podcast. Today, we are doing a little side dish episode, and we're going to talk about, in my opinion, one of the best movies of 2023. It is Celine Song's film, Past Lives. Uh, it's out in theaters now. I think it's even more theaters now. I think I heard that they're dropping it in even more theaters, so maybe like rural Indiana might get Past Lives. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But it's playing in all the big cities, I'm sure. So you can go see it. Uh, no word on streaming yet. So you got to go to the theaters. And I recommend that. And you know me, I don't like to talk about things by myself. So I brought back someone that you should have heard before. Way back. When was your book launch? April? Was that when we were doing this? Uh, I think so. Yeah, the book came out in March. But yeah, I think that's the last time we chatted. Yeah, it was like one week after it happened or something like that. So you are talking to or you are listening to author Gina Chung, and we discussed her debut novel, Sea Change, back in April. So welcome back, Gina. Yay, thanks so much for having me. So excited to be here and chatting with you about this movie, which I also loved. Yeah, that was that was a little moment. Should, can we call it in young? Can we call it a moment where you had? Ju- I was just thinking, oh, I want to do a podcast on this movie, and you like that night posted something like, you know, saw this movie, it's great, and I was like, hey, Gina, you want to come on and talk about it? And you gave me an emphatic yes because this movie does something to you, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I I mean, I loved it. I feel like I've had like really in-depth conversations with everyone yeah. who since uh, who people who among people who watched it. So yeah, excited to get into it. And thank you again for having me on and reaching out. Yeah, of course. No, I, I hate talking about things by myself. So, <laughs> and, and just so the audience know, we, we actually were going to do this a couple weeks ago, but uh, I sent out a, a feeler to a 24. I was like, Hey, you know, a 24, we'd love to talk to anyone about this movie. And they, you know, at first it sounded kind of positive. They were like, oh, yeah, who would you like to speak to? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know, Celine Song, Greta Lee, you know, you Teo. And then I never heard back from them. <laughs> so maybe they realized I was overreaching a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. So maybe if they get, if they email us in the next couple of days, maybe we should pause between our answers so we can insert Celine Song's answers after our questions. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Just, just in case. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> but OK, for now, it's just the two of us. And so, Gina, I don't know if you uh, have read Sea Change yet, everyone out there, but you should go grab a copy before you go on your next trip. I think it'd be perfect book for Hawaii or maybe the Caribbean, right? It fits in your bag. It's, it's pocket size. <laughs> so everyone out there, go copy, go grab a copy of Sea Change and you can read it while you're in line for past lives. So we'll throw that out there. But yeah, thanks again, Gina, for coming along. And let's see. We're going to do a no-spoiler first part of this. So anyone out there who has not seen the movie, you can stick around for a little while longer before we spoil it. I'll let you know. So let me give you guys out there the no-spoiler plot summary. It's is one sentence, so it's not going to spoil anything. Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, were rest apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea uh, to America. Yeah, I think it was. (laughs) I think it was New York. Decades later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront destiny, love, and the choices that make a life. Wow. Great summary. (laughs) I think that I I do think that they actually immigrate maybe first to Canada. Um, Oh, yeah, you're right. 
just because that's uh, becomes a plot point later on. Um, but then yeah. she eventually ends up in New York where she begins to make a life for herself as an artist and a playwright. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I do remember that now. OK, yeah. So this props to Wikipedia. I'm actually reading this from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use words like rest very often. W-R-E-S-T. But uh, yeah, so it's a story about uh, two kids and they kind of form this, not kind of, they form this bond in childhood and then she moves away. We're, we're thinking about 12 years old, right? She moves away around 12, mm -hmm. goes to Canada and then, yeah, picks up from there. Uh, I hope you guys go see it in the theater. It is one of those movies, not because it's, you know, one of those Avenger movies or something that you have to see on the big screen, but don't you think there's something about seeing it with other people? Yeah, absolutely. It feels very, um, you're right in that it's not, you know, it's not like a action thriller type of movie. Um, but there's something about the movie's sense of space and time and the way it moves through time that I think is, mm -hmm. is really lends itself well to like a big screen experience. I saw it in theaters and really loved it. And afterwards, you know, you can always like go for a walk and think about the movie or talk about it with whoever you went to go see it with. So I loved that aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think just sitting with other people, even if you're by yourself, but just sitting with other people and hearing, I mean, there weren't a lot of like audible gasps or anything in this movie, but, but yeah, you just, you can hear people thinking, I don't know if that makes sense to people out there, but you can kind of hear cause it's such a quiet movie, kind of a deliberately slow movie. And so there's moments where you're kind of like thinking along with other people and we're the, it's like that voyeur, like, and, and she even sets us up, right, for that feeling of voyeurism where the first scene is someone in a bar observing them in the bar. And it's kind of sets up the idea that we're just looking in on this relationship and we can make our own judgments if we want. Uh, I think you were saying, was it your comparison or was it Hannah's comparison about Before Sunset? Was that kind of... A movie that kind of related to you about this? I think um, I actually did think about that movie while um, both while I was watching the film and afterwards when I was reflecting on it. But I think it is name checked in um, Hannah Bay's review of it for the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, it just has that same kind of sense of like connections over a period of time, missed opportunities mm. along the way. And this this really beautiful kind of bittersweet sense of longing that permeates the movie. Mm. You know, I've actually never seen that. It's a trilogy, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, there's Before Sunrise is the first one. And Before Sunset is the second one. And then um, Before Midnight is the last in the trilogy. Mm. Highly recommend all three of them. They're, they all cent they center around the same two characters. But the vibe and the mood does tend to shift across both in a really lovely way. And also, they are filmed kind of like, I believe it's 10 years apart from one another. So it is really oh. cool that um, the actors and Richard Linklater, the director... Um, kind of were able to collaborate in that way. Yeah, they actually age. They actually physically age. Yeah. That's kind of cool. No, I've heard a lot about it, and I've, I've just never never gotten around to it. All right, I got one for you. 2001's Serendipity. Have you ever seen that one? I have. I actually used to own the soundtrack of it, like yeah. back when CDs. Such a good soundtrack. Was, it's a great right? soundtrack, and I think I like maybe got it as a present from someone. And it was. it's funny that this is coming up in conversation now with, with in relation to past lives, because it was a present from like a childhood friend or something who <laughs> like we never were like together or anything like that. But there was always a sense of like, mm, we don't know. And then like I, I remember it was surprising that he gave me this as a present. And then um, ah. I, I did see the movie, but I don't I don't think I liked the movie as much as I liked the soundtrack. 
<laughs> no, no disrespect to, to John Cusack or Kate Beckinsale, who are great. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little cheesy. You have to get into it. You know, it's a rom-com from the 2000s, you know, the early, late, late 90s, early 2000s kind of rom-com. But uh, yeah, my wife and I was one of our first movies that we saw together and we loved it just because I think it matters who you're with, you know, when you're watching it at that time. So totally. Yeah. But uh, I think if I watched it now, I don't know how well it would hold up. But I, I just remember the idea of missed opportunities and found opportunities it always kind of appeals to me. I kind of like that idea of the what ifs or, you know, mm-hmm. in that movie, it was it was all good stuff. But it was kind of like all these coincidences that end up being serendipitous, I guess is mm-hmm. the word. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is a little different, you know, different mood, obviously, in this one. Um, all right. So we are talking about A24's film. Man, A24, are they having a decade or what? They are <laughs> killing it. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but I always thought there was like an Asian American at the helm of A24 for some reason because they have such great stuff for Asian Americans. I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely see why you'd feel that way. I think they are, you know, as a studio, just I actually remember thinking of them initially as kind of like, oh, maybe like a a sort of offbeat horror type of studio, just because those Mm -hmm. were the original, the initial movies that I first saw coming from them. But, you know, they've clearly just like put out so many amazing films since then. Um, Yeah. And yeah, the they do have a lot of really amazing Asian American films or films that center the stories of Asian Americans. And so um, that's been really cool to see over the last couple of years. Yeah. Let me throw out some names for you. The Farewell, mm, mm-hmm. Minari, Everywhere, Everywhere, wait, every, Everything, Everywhere, <laughs> All at Once, uh, on TV, Beef, right? Mm-hmm. Man, this is the studio is pretty amazing. And so I don't know who found whom. But they found Celine Song or Celine Song found them and she was kind of, well, she's known for plays more than, than screen. This is her first screenplay. So, and I'm pretty sure it won't be her last now, but Celine Song, a playwright. Um, hmm, much like our protagonist, Nora in Past Lives, born in South Korea and moved to Canada when she was 12. So, hmm. I think I think people are guessing it's a little autobiographical, <laughs> you know, loosely. Did you hear her say that this was kind of like the first scene was based on a true story? I did hear about that. I, I don't remember if I read it in an article or um, maybe heard it through like a post on social media or something about the movie. But I remember thinking about that. And also, I, oh, I got the sense while watching the movie that you know, even if her situation hadn't looked like the main characters, like I could sense that some of the emotions felt like they had been explored or lived through in some kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read, I don't, I don't know where I read it either, but I think I read that she was at a bar with her childhood sweetheart, I guess from Korea with her white husband. And so the scene was exactly what the opening scene where she's speaking in Korean to her childhood sweetheart and her white husband's just kind of sitting there. And she was thinking, I wonder what people are thinking is going on you know like who's the husband who's the lover why is that white guy there you know like that kind of stuff and so she decided hey you know let's explore this and let's see so obviously the whole thing is not her life but that one little vignette was similar to her life and and i'm glad she wrote it so she she wrote this movie and um directed it as well i think they they said well you got to direct this right this is your uh, your thing. So you can't give it to someone else. It's so 
a lot of it's so nuanced. I don't think anyone, I don't know if anyone else could have directed it as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's just this sense of like the story feels so both personal, but also universal in a lot of ways is what I feel like a lot of people have said in the wake of the film being out. Um, and it's just so beautifully shot. And I think you as a viewer, you end up feeling very held throughout the process of watching the film too. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you just really, you get to know them and you feel like you know them fairly well, but then there's still some questions like, why do they do this or why do they do that? But uh, yeah, very, very personal film. All right, so it stars Greta Lee and Yuteo. Have you ever seen them before? Um, Yuteo's uh, work is new to me, but I'm a big fan of Greta Lee. Um, mm. I think I first saw her in uh, High Maintenance, which was a web series before it got picked up by HBO. And she appears in both the web series um, and in the and in the HBO show. And her character is called, um, it's kind of a problematic name, but the character is called Homeless Heidi, essentially. Okay. Um, and she's based on, <laughs> I don't know if you know this backstory, but she's based on... Um, uh, an actual person who was dubbed the hipster grifter by media. Yeah. And she was, um, yeah. I think, I think this person was Korean. She was Asian American and like was sort of known for like hooking up with guys and just like staying at their houses for a really long time <laughs> okay, <laughs> and had this okay. whole fabricated backstory about how she worked for Coachella and all these other like very <laughs> cool, like music entertainment, like type places. Um, and then of course she was found out eventually, but then, like kind of iconic like i feel like uh -huh. you know asian american scam representation is important <laughs> yeah we need that representation <laughs> we yeah. are three-dimensional people we are not all model minorities out there exactly so. exactly and then she also was of course in uh, netflix's russian doll which i loved yeah, and so i knew I her mostly for her her comedic work which is fantastic and she has just amazing comedic timing and so that was one of the reasons i was really excited about this movie because I've been a fan of her work for so long. And then when I heard that she was doing a role that seemed to be, you know, maybe a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more um, exploring just different sides of emotion, I was just really excited to to see what that would look like. So, yeah. yeah. She has a real presence to her, you know, like I, I didn't necessarily, I like the show Russian, Russian Doll, but her character in there is kind of, you know, kind of meant to be annoying and, yeah. and you know, ditzy. <laughs> and, but uh, so I, I never thought much about, about her before, but then this one, I mean, yeah, you know, and it's it's not just about physical beauty, but there's something about her. You just can't take your eyes off of her and her portrayal is just so natural. It felt very natural and just really, really well done. Yeah, and she's just luminous on the screen and just so says so much in both the things that her character says, but also in the physical gestures and facial expressions throughout the film as well. So just... I hope we continue to see her in in more kinds of roles because, I mean, all the actors were amazing, but I think she especially just really killed it for me. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and a little different than uh, Selena. She's born in Los Angeles, so she's American-born. And so I, I'll let you know about this article a little later on. So the Korean was a little, um, I don't want to say problematic, but they, they worked on it a little bit because... She was supposed to be someone who was born in Korea, speaking it for the first 12 years of her life you know, really, really fluently. So, uh, yeah, so it was a little bit of a stretch for her, I think, using Korean for a good part of the film. But she, I thought, you know, I don't know Korean well enough to know that. Did you, you felt like her Korean was super solid? Oh, yeah, she was great. Um, I felt like having um, a little trace of like kind of a, a slight Americanized accent it, um, for that character felt really true to life. Um, you know, I'm not like 
uber fluent in Korean. I always say that my my own kind of proficiency and vocabulary level is sort of like elementary school. Um, obviously, she's a bit older when she when she comes to mm-hmm. when she immigrates with her family. And then there's an early scene in the movie where you see her talking on the phone to her mother in what to me sounds like incredibly fluent and advanced Korean. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. Um, I definitely got a sense of like, OK, this is a character who is fluent, far more fluent than like I am, for example, but, you know, has also there's a sense of like slight rustiness there that um, when she starts to talk to um, her childhood sweetheart when they meet up again in the sort of the present yeah. day of the film. And that felt very authentic and, and true to life yeah. for me. Yeah. And I can imagine like, oh, man, I haven't used this for a while. Or she was saying to her mom, you're you and Taya. Well, this character name is Sung. You and Sung are the only people I speak Korean to now. Yeah. So that that would probably ring true for a lot of you Korean-Americans out there. Um, Yuteo, I haven't seen him, um, but born in Germany and then has moved around a little bit and now he's done a bunch of Korean dramas and Korean movies. So, um, his most recent one was Love to Hate You, which I've heard good things about. I just haven't seen it yet. So yeah, I I would definitely be interested in looking into his, his library a little more to see, see him again. Mm, Yeah. I think he was also in, um, I don't know if you've seen d- the movie Decision to Leave, which is a Korean movie. Yeah, um, I was trying to think what what role he played in that. Um, he says manager Lee or something. Yeah, like that. I hmm, I can't quite I recall. Yeah, I feel like this is another movie that I want to rewatch. So maybe yeah. when I when I rewatch, I'll keep a lookout for his role. Um, he definitely yeah, looked I, familiar to me though when I saw him in um, Past Lives. Yeah, me too. I was kind of like, where have I seen him before? But I don't remember him in Decision to Leave. Um, hey, quick plug for my podcast. We did an episode on Decision to Leave. Everyone out there, so you can go watch that. But I don't remember him. I had, you know, I bought that film, so I gotta watch it again. Oh, I'm wondering so. if maybe he was one of the the fellow police. Maybe that yeah. um, the main character works with. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't think of who else he would have been. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So neither of us have seen him before, but <laughs> well, not that we remember seeing him. <laughs> But yeah, so he's the lead in this one though, and and he was fantastic too. The you could sense the boyishness in him, even as a you know thirty something year old guy, you could sense the shy boy in him was still there, and it was really cute. And yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I think we gotta go ahead and give everyone out there a little spoiler, but you want to throw out something to encourage people to watch this film. What would you tell someone and who would you tell to watch this film? Do you, are you telling everyone to watch this film or, or is it kind of more for certain people? You know, I feel like anyone who watches it would get something out of it. Um, like I just, I love this film so much. So I've just, I've really been recommending it to pretty much everyone <laughs> I talk to about it. Um, I would describe it as, a deeply moving, um, quietly romantic, um, yet incredibly profound story of love, connection, and uh, what we gain or lose in the course of a lifetime. I do think it has a particular resonance for um, immigrants or people who are children mm-hmm. of immigrants or who come from immigrant families, just because there's so much to explore that um, the film unpacks with such grace. Um, I've also heard people that I've talked to about the movie say that it's a great movie to watch with um, the one that got away. So maybe uh-huh. if you if you identify as a member of, yeah. <laughs> of if, if you identify as someone who has a one that got away, um, <laughs> that might be that might be a choice you could make. 
Yeah. Oh, that would, that would be spicy. It'd be like, oh, it's, hey, so-and-so, I haven't talked to you in a year, but you want to go see this movie? You know? Yeah. I feel like even an invitation <laughs> like that would be quite a loaded one. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If you've just broken up with someone, maybe maybe not quite the right, because you will, it'll hurt you. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's sweet, but yeah, a little, little little heart hard on the heart too um yeah i would recommend it to to pretty much anyone who yeah especially romantics out there but even if you're not a romantic i think you'll identify with this one and you know it's it's half and half a little bit in korean a little bit in english um i think now i feel like now everyone's pretty used to subtitles I, i don't know maybe it's just me but i feel like you won't you won't mind the subtitles but yeah it's really it's really a nice watch Go watch it with someone you love or someone you want to love, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely things you could talk about. You know, afterwards, you can talk about this film. I've been thinking about this film for a month, you know, like just... <laughs> There's things about it that will make you think. So, yeah. So there'll be definitely things to talk about afterwards. So if you want to go with someone that you don't know that well and you watch it, you'll always have something to talk about when you come out from it. So, yeah, go grab some dinner afterwards. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play the trailer, a little bit of the trailer here for you guys. So when the trailer's over, beware. We might spoil some things, though. You know, it's not one of those plots that has a lot of spoilers, but just in case you haven't seen it yet. So we'll play the trailer here and go watch the movie and come back if you haven't already. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? His home! Wow, Wow. Okay, we are back and we are with author Gina Chung. So I figure it's appropriate for her to maybe do a little bit of the plot breakdown. What do you, what, how would you break this plot down, Gina? Yeah. Uh, well, it's really interesting that Celine Song is a playwright, which I didn't mm. really know going into the film, but the film is kind of like a three act structure, uh, which feels very, you know, of the theater to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of in these three main acts that take place over um, kind of 12 years apart. It starts out with, well, it really starts out with an introductory scene that's sort of the wow. present day of the film. So, it's um, the three main characters, uh, Nora and his Hong and Nora's husband, all at a bar in New York City and kind of talking. But you as a viewer don't really get a sense of their conversation. But you do overhear people who are observing them wondering about what their connections are to one another. And then mm-hmm. it flashes um, kind of backwards to them as kids. And they have just they're uh, they're all both kind of processing the fact that Nora's family is about to immigrate. Then 12 years later. Nora is in grad school in New York City, and she happens to reconnect with Hesong over social media, which is a thing that I think many of us can relate to, you know, just suddenly yeah. finding childhood friends or 
old classmates mm-hmm. or even past sweethearts on the internet. Right. And then the film kind of flashes forward after um, you see their kind of reconnection in that moment to 12 years later when they are now both in their, their 30s, I believe. And Nora mm-hmm. is now married to a man that she met while she was at an artist's residency. And um, her husband also happens to be an artist. He's a writer. And then she gets the news that Hesong is visiting New York and would like to see her. And that's sort of the present day of the film. Did you did you get the 12-year cycles right away? I, I only got that after I read. I think it, I do think that there were title cards in the film that sort of indicated where we were in time. Um, I was more paying trying to pay attention to how old they would have been. So yeah. I don't think that the 12, 12, 12 thing really hit me until afterwards when I was reading about um, the film later. But it makes a, a very I really liked that choice, the, the, the sort of poeticness of a 12 year cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of during the movie, I thought it was almost too long. I was like, well, you wouldn't talk to each other for 12 years. You know, like <laughs> it seemed like you can't pick up a phone. But um, but yeah, now it makes more sense that I think she was saying that it's kind of like represented a cycle. You know, in the Chinese Zodiac, there's a 12 year cycle of 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 life. And so it's kind of like representing three different lives. And now that I think about it, that's kind of true. Right. You're between zero and 12. You're a kid. And then from 12 to 24, you're kind of, you're becoming an adult. Those are like some some serious formative years. Or between 12 and 24 is really when you be kind of, kind of figure out who you are. And then 24 to 36 is kind of like another big one where you're, you're adulting, you know, and you're, kinda, yeah, <laughs> you're in that, you're in that stage right now. You're in your third life, Gina. You're oh my gosh. There. That's so true. Yeah. That, I feel like that's like the part where, where things start to feel really real. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's no, no time to fool around anymore. You gotta be serious. You gotta get a little more serious. Yeah. So I, I felt like that made sense now that I think about it, that you're looking at three different lives and, and what would it be like to meet someone in each of those lives? And, and, you know, as you changed, did you like the, did you like the kid scenes? Did you like the early ones? I thought they were adorable, but not in like a sort of precious kind of way. Like the kids to me felt like, I mean, they both felt to me incredibly mature for their age, especially yeah. Hesong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you didn't really see the kind of like, like, I feel like when I think about myself at that age or like my friends at that age, like if you had a crush on someone, you would let them know by like teasing them a lot, just behaving <laughs> yeah. really immaturely. And like, that's kind right. of not really the how they express their affection and connection with yeah. one another. There's a kind of real intentionality in the way that they behave towards mm-hmm. one another. And his song, you know, there's an early moment in the film where Nora is upset because uh He's he has outperformed her academically in class once. Yeah, one yeah. time. <laughs> and then he's you know, he kind of he kind of says to her in this very um, in this very affectionate moment, you know, like, you know, what are you crying for? And he he's able to comfort her in that sense without like, yeah. I don't know. It just felt like a very mature thing for another 12 year old to be able to do at that age. Right. So and then but then there are also scenes of them playing outdoors, like, you know, fooling around, like running around on a playground. And so that also felt very accurate and authentic to me. Like when I think about myself at 12, I feel like I was a very I feel like I was a very serious 12 year old. Were you? Okay. (laughs) But um, but also, you know, you're 12. You're you're very much a child. (laughs) You're just like kind of goofing yes. off a lot of the time. So in my yeah. head, I remember thinking I was much older than I actually was. But, you know, sure. in reality, yeah. I was just goofing off with my friends most of the time. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as a, when I was a 12 year old boy, I was, I was pretty hopeless. I mean, I feel like I was like, if someone started crying and like, if one of my friends that was a girl was crying in front of me, I would feel so uncomfortable. I'd run away and just not want to deal with that at all. But I guess that was one of the, that was one of the lines in the film that, you know, she would cry just in front of him and he would just stand there and take Aww. it and be there for her. He was kind of a protector of her. I felt like he was, he felt that protective part of her and then she was always I guess you know we we get a little bit more of it filled in but you know she's always ambitious and always wanted the awards and always wanted to achieve something and that was gonna be the problem right that was gonna be a problem for their relationship is that she was always gonna be striving for something and and he was kind of more seemed like more content on just just kind of doing doing life yeah, I love that kind of um, that that sort of inside joke the two of them had or it's not even I don't even know if it's an inside joke, but there's a kind of neat through line in terms of what they talk about with her ambition in terms of the awards that she wants to yeah, strive yeah. for. Like when she's 12, she's kind of aiming for like the Nobel Prize of literature. Nobel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that she tells him when he asks her, like, why are you why is your family moving? And she's like, well, Korean writers don't win the Nobel Prize for literature. But, yeah. Which I also found very precocious because the idea of a 12 year old, like being aware of that is just like, is like very amusing. Um, and then I, th I forget what the prize that she wants to aim for when she's 24 is. But then later when in life, when they catch up in their 30s, he says to her, hey, remember when you wanted to win the Nobel Prize? Like, what is it now? And I think she says that she'd like to win a Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I think it went Nobel, Pulitzer and then Tony. Pulitzer. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I I really loved how the movie was so just straightforward about how she in the movie is so straightforward about her ambitions as an artist. Um, and that yeah. I think you're right in that he's not someone who is like that himself, but he's very drawn to her ambition and is, you know, very quietly yeah. supportive of the yeah. fact that she is so driven in this way. Mm -hmm. So she moves away. And then I guess we're, we're led to believe that he hasn't stopped thinking about her for 12 years. And she kind of is like, oh, remember that kid who used to watch you cry all the time? Yeah, so she, <laughs> she had forgotten about him a little bit, a little bit. And then uh, they reconnect online. Now, this is one of those things. I did a little fact checking. Like, could you make online calls <laughs> 12 years ago? I don't know. It was a little, a little more dodgy back then. I think in 2011. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think they were using Skype in the movie, okay, and that was okay. like the big. I don't know. People probably still use Skype nowadays. Um, I haven't yeah. used it in a while, but I remember. Yeah. I guess when I was using Skype the most was when I was studying abroad, and that would have been in the 2010s. I used Skype to like call my parents back home. Okay, so. all right. So I was, I, I mean, I was doing the math in my head. I was like, did they even have online? <laughs> anyway, but they, that's not a big deal. But they, <laughs> so they reconnect online. They find, well, he finds her through her dad. Her dad wrote a play, and I guess he wrote a comment on it. And so they reconnect, and they hit it off. Like he's, he's in grad school. She's. She's in grad school or she's becoming a writer and they hit it off again, like kind of pick up where they left off. And it seems like they had a little thing going online, at least. Then what do you think about the, okay, let's take a break for a while, for at least a year or something like that. What did you think of that? Would that be something that you would ever consider doing or? That is a great question. I think... Um, I mean, it made sense for the character of Nora, because I think there's that moment where she says to him, 
listen, I immigrated twice to be where I am today, which is at an MFA mm. program. I believe it looked like it was Columbia. I don't think the the film specified, but mm-hmm. um, it looked like it was uptown in New York. And she's at this incredibly prestigious, highly selective program, really trying to make it as a playwright. Um, and meanwhile, you know, as she says to him, I can't, I, all I can think about is flights to Korea and, you know, mm. wanting to be with you. And she tells him that they need to take a break so that she can like focus on her writing and her art. And I thought that was such a, again, very mature and strong decision for someone at the age of 24 to make. Like, I mean, I think again, (laughs) thinking back to myself at 24, I don't know that I would have had the wherewithal to do that. Sure, sure. Um, But it made sense for her character, especially given, you know, the fact that she is such an ambitious, um, driven person um i i was i was heartbroken for them though when it happened right especially because you know you can really see it on on his face in particular on that like little the skype screen where the resolution is not even that good but the the pain the pain is so palpable for both of them especially for him because you know he's also about to go on his own journey because he i believe he goes to beijing to study the language and um the sense of like having found one another only to lose one another again is just is so gutting in that scene yeah my my only reason like because in my head i'm thinking dude it's not that hard to get a plane ticket right (laughs) like in my head i'm thinking you know you haven't seen this girl and clearly you have a connection but i think how i resolved it being an okay decision was i think they knew well i think she knew that this wasn't gonna be the thing for her like in my head like i don't think like if you thought if you thought that this was gonna be the love of your life you'd find a way right that's what my thinking was Mm, oh that's so interesting so i thought that maybe she just knew that if she i to me it felt like she was um looking down two different choices where she was like either i can you know commit to my art which i worked really hard on to get to this stage Mm -hmm. or i can wholly commit myself to this the possibility of a romantic relationship mm-hmm. with my childhood sweetheart. Um, and, you know, definitely, I don't think you're alone and being like, you know, it's what's the big deal? Just buy a plane ticket and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think she's someone who really like is kind of all or nothing. And for yeah. her, she kind of feels at that, that's that incredibly vulnerable and important stage of, of her career as an artist that, you know, I really have to give myself fully to this, this thing, which is my art and my, my playwriting. So, you know, yeah. while, while the romantic in me was, you know, upset uh-huh. that it had happened, I, I totally understood it also. Well, maybe I'm drawing on, uh, now again, this is going to sound like I'm talking about myself and I'm not, but I, I know a friend who really likes someone but knew that getting together would would they wouldn't be able to do both things mm. you know like mm-hmm. they had they had ambitions and they had love but they knew that they couldn't do both they couldn't have the ambition and the love and i so maybe i'm projecting that the nora character was doing the calculus in her head and was like okay this guy is the type that would want to get married have a couple kids, you know, maybe live in Seoul. And, and she just couldn't see, she couldn't see herself in that picture, you know. And, and we kind of see that a little bit later, too, that, that that's not the life that she was meant to live. So that's maybe I'm projecting that she did the math and realized, because I think she, and, and again, she hadn't seen the guy in 12 years. Right. Yeah. So how, yeah. 
No, I think you're right. I think that she probably did do that sort of foresight thinking and like, you know, thought about like, okay, well, assuming this continues realistically, what Mm -hmm. could happen? You know, like either he would have to come to the States or she would have to go to Korea. And it seems like it would be more likely that she would have to go to Korea and her career would have to take a back seat, I think, at that point. And I think that's the thing that a lot of um a lot of people sometimes have to contend with, especially for something like a long distance relationship. I think it's something a lot of women contend with too, because there is an Mm -hmm. expectation that women are going to give up their career or be a little bit more flexible in order to accommodate a relationship. So um, I don't, and I'm not ascribing that kind of intentionality to Hyesung's character who seems very, again, supportive of her, but it would have been that much harder, I think, for her to have gotten to where she wanted to go. There was a line, and this is one of the things that I, I read, that there was a line in this film where she describes Sung as Korean-Korean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think we know what that means. I think, you you know, someone told you, oh, there's this guy, but he's Korean-Korean. That would make, you know, a certain type of lifestyle difficult for a playwright or a screenwriter or an artist, you know, if there it would be difficult to marry someone from another country, especially a country like Korea, where there's very patriarchal still. And, you know, even as forward thinking as Sung might be, you know, there's expectations for women in marriage and, and, and life and career. And so I think, yeah, so that, that was my thinking. Cause it, if they were really in love, you know, I think they'd find a way, but I think they were definitely, feeling something, but maybe not that this was the the thing for them. Mm, yeah. I mean, that, that scene I thought was also so, I like kept laughing during that scene too, where she talks about the Korean Korean. Cause that's, uh-huh. it's like, um, something that me and my friends growing up used to, used to talk about all the time too, as Korean uh-huh. Americans, like there's this, there's this sense of like, you know, that Koreanness is kind of a spectrum. <laughs> yeah, and, sure. yeah, um, you know, if someone is Korean, Korean, that definitely has a certain connotation. So yeah. I don't think you're wrong in that interpretation either that, you know, even if Song is super forward thinking, like, let's say she did move to Korea to be with him and they got married, had a family, the whole thing. Like, even if he was okay with, you know, her continuing to pursue her writing and make that her main focus, I think, yeah, there is a very different set of circumstances and expectations for women in Korea. And um, that could have also, maybe she also foresaw that that could have caused a strain on the relationship as well. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. a whole mental calculus that that character was doing that we don't necessarily get to see in detail, um, right. but is definitely felt in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Inyong a little bit. Uh, you want to, do you want to describe that term? Yeah. So I will say the concept was new to me um, until I saw the movie. Um, But, you know, I've read about it since then. And the movie, of course, unpacks it. But I believe my understanding of it is that it's this idea of like destiny or fate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it's connected to this idea that of of past lives, which the movie explores and is in the title of the film. Uh, It's I believe it's a sense that like everyone that you interact with in a given life, uh, whether it's someone you brush past momentarily on the street to like your first love to your, I don't know, your high school English teacher. Like these are people you've Mm -hmm. all maybe interacted with in past lives before. And that's kind of why you're fated to to meet Mm -hmm. again. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think it's a really beautiful concept, um, a deeply romantic one, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my understanding of Yeon. Yeah, I mean, if if you watch any Korean dramas, it is pervasive. They, you know, especially the love one, the romance ones, they love this idea of fate and this, you know, they have um, all these dramas where it's a trope now where there's this childhood trauma some some two two kids go through some kind of trauma together and then later in life they later in life they bump into each other and it's just meant to be you know like this <laughs> because they went through this so i think that's a huge part of just kind of romance in in the drama um business at least and so yeah so i think the idea and then i think your idea of it evolves as you watch this film and it's not like oh it's not the Korean rom-com version of it. It's more, it could be tragic as well, you mm. know, or it could be more layered where there's that scene where, where Hisung and, um, what's the name? Arthur, her husband mm-hmm. are, are talking to each other in, in broken English. And he was saying that, yeah, there's in young between them too, you know, between the two of them, it's meant to be that they are facing each other at this moment in time as well. And so there's some yeah some poeticness to it for sure, and it's I, I like the idea of it too. Yeah, I think it it makes the universe feel to me when I think about the concept of Inyon, it makes the universe feel like both faster than I could that I have ever even imagined, but also way more interconnected than it is. Uh-huh. Like this, a idea, little less random. <laughs> yeah, and like I really like this idea that um, I don't know if I believe in Inyon necessarily, but I do believe in the fact that like some people are meant to be in your lives for just a season or a moment, and others end up sticking around for the long haul. So it's a really beautiful way of looking at what can sometimes feel like the randomness of, of human connection. Yeah. Did did for any moment did you think that they might possibly get together at the end? <laughs> you know, I I think again the romantic in me was kind of rooting for it, <laughs> yeah. but I I didn't think so. Um, no, I think I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. You wanted it. You wanted something, and I don't know. Were you satisfied with the ending, or what did you think of the ending? I thought it was, uh, yeah, I, I felt very satisfied by the ending um, and just very moved by it, too. I think yeah. also, too, the uh, the film does a really clever thing in, um, you know, also, you know, you want to root for the two of them to get together and run away together and be happy. But the film is also sympathetic to Arthur, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it would be very easy to have made him this like buffoonish or kind of like ugly American. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he yeah. you know, it helps that he is so self-aware of his own role in this kind of strange triangle that comes together. And there's a lot of ways in which, you know, through very like kind of small, subtle moments like the the film shows you how much they make sense as a couple, both for one another's careers and how much they support each other and how interconnected their lives have become. I thought one really one beautiful moment that I think of a lot in terms of Arthur and Nora's relationship is when I think they're coming back from a trip. They're going through customs, I believe. And there's a way in which like, you know, you kind of see her go a little bit dead behind the eyes when she's kind of answering the customs agents like questions about why she's been away or what she's back for. And Arthur just kind of steps in because he knows that this is difficult for her as someone who has to deal with this way more than he does as an immigrant. Um, And I thought Mm. that was a really lovely moment too of just seeing their shared histories together and how he's Mm. able to step in for her and support her 
in ways that she maybe doesn't even need to articulate because he just he just knows her so well. So, you know, I I I was rooting for Hyesung and Nora. I can't help it because they're both such so beautiful and the chemistry is like uh-huh. is so great between the actors. But I also felt I also felt for Arthur and I could also see how their marriage and their relationship made a lot of sense for her and for the two of them. Yeah, no, I think I think Celine Song wrote him very well where, you know, he's like, of course, I feel jealous, you know, because there's a part of you that I can never connect with. And then she said the same thing back to him, like, well, there's you know, there's things that we've done that no one else, you know, like, I don't know. I'm butchering that part. But um, but yeah, there was definitely he, he was very self-aware and very sympathetic to their relationship as friends and, and even hinted that there's more there, right? You know, like, well, obviously this guy came to New York just to see you. Like he can see, he can see things, Mm, but he wasn't going to get in the way of it. You know, he said, I, I, you know, this dude, this dude loves you still. And he's like, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna prevent you from seeing him. Yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. There's that great moment too at the bar where, um, I think, it's it's just his Hong and Arthur talking. And I think his Hong says something like, I didn't expect to like you so much. And I was really moved by that, too, because it adds to the emotional complexity of that scene yeah. and also of the final moments of the film as well. And that other line, the other dagger in that sequence was, I, I don't know the exact line, was I didn't expect it to hurt so much to see how much he loves you. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that, there are some good ones in that that short scene in Broken English. There were some really, well, there's Korean too, but some really good lines there. I was going to ask you, what what was your favorite scene? I think it's probably that ending scene where you yeah. see um, Nora accompany <laughs> Hesong to oh, the Uber. Man. And you're kind of, you feel so keenly the positions of all three of the characters in that scene, right? Where, you know, yeah. you understand exactly why she wants to stay with him until the very end. You understand Hezong's own feelings of having to leave behind this woman that, you know, he probably sees as the love of his life. Um, and right. you also understand Arthur's feelings as he's like, well, I guess I'll stay and wait for you and hope that you come yeah. back. And so, and then there's that beautiful long shot of them walking down the sidewalk. I think it's shot in the East Village, which is an area of New York City that I've been in many yeah. times. Um, yeah. And the two of them walking side by side in this very kind of beautiful, yet very loaded silence is so yeah. amazing and cinematic. Like it's, it's this is a very different kind of movie than um, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love, but that shot in particular reminded me a lot of that film. I don't know if you've seen it, Curtis. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that sort of longing, um, and tension um, and sort of gentle melancholy felt really profound to me. So I love that yeah. last scene. And then when we follow I her agree. back to her house also with that, with that final moment where she burst into tears in Arthur's arms was just yeah so moving to me. Cause we, we had been talking about her crying all the time. This whole movie, we talk about her crying, crying, crying. She never cries. She's super strong. And then that last moment she's burst into tears. What do you, what do you think? I mean, it's open for interpretation, but what do you think she, why do you think she burst into tears at that moment? Um, I think part of it, I interpreted it as like partially it's a, it's just a release of tension from all of the emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. and memories she's been going through over the last few days with, with his song reappeared in her life. I think it's also that she's not just saying goodbye to him. 
um, to his song, that is. She's also saying goodbye to all the versions of herself that she's been right. with him, both with him and alongside him. And so, yeah. um, yeah, it's not just that she's saying goodbye to the possibility of a life with him. She's also saying goodbye to the possibilities for herself that he represented in a way. And and, pa- and her past self, too, her childhood self. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm projecting, but I, I don't think they're ever going to talk again. I don't think so either. And yet yeah, so. you get this sense that they will always be connected. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, saying goodbye to a, a friend, you know, like this is your your friend you're never going to talk to again. That's tough. Yeah. What did you make of the, the, the crying scene at the end? Yeah, that, that was, I think that was it as release, but also sorrow, but also, you know, just closure, (laughs) you know, like it just felt, yeah, that I, I agree. That was the scene for me too. The, the body language, she's slumped over her shoulders are slumped over. You know, in the in the when she sees him for the first time at the fountain or wherever they met up, she just hugs him a really long, hard embrace, and it catches him by surprise. You know, he's kind of like, "Oh, I didn't expect this." Mm-hmm. But then at the end, you know, you could tell that she just couldn't get herself to hug him. Like she, she couldn't do it, and he he hugged her. I think on that one, mm, yeah. I gotta watch it again, but yeah, but she's like slumped over, like her shoulders. If you look at it. And she's just standing there like like the twelve year old who used to cry, you know, in front of him. Yeah. And yeah, it was yeah, it was tough. Uh, you know, I kinda you know, part of me wanted him to wave the Uber on, you know, that's okay, I'll get the next <laughs> one, you know. Yeah. But but you know, he's gotta he's gotta do it. He's gotta get in. So yeah, the that that's one of the things that this film does so well and the actors do so well. Is the nonverbal communication, the stares, there's a lot of staring. So much staring. <laughs> so much staring. And there's just like, just, yeah, you know, especially when ever they get back together. So, when, you know, instant, not instantly. So when they, they first make the call, when she calls him on Skype and they just stare at each other for a good, they say hi and they just don't know what to say in yeah. those moments. And then just all through New York at some of these tourist places, they just don't know what to say to each other. But you could tell they're just happy to be with each other, like really happy to be with each other. Yeah. And I think I, I interpreted the staring, too, as like they're just kind of taking each other in, you know, really filling yeah. the weight of the years, both on like their connection and also on each other um, yeah. and kind of marveling at the fact that they are Mar- yeah. yeah, back back in this the same physical space after so many years apart yeah yeah like that first thing when they meet up this she's like wow and he's like wow and she's like <laughs> really wow <laughs> i mean that's what that you don't know what to say when you're at that moment right you just can't believe that you're actually seeing this person after so many years mm, yeah yeah all right so i gotta ask you do you have any what if stories in your own life <laughs> Um, no, not as not anything as not like this, not <laughs> anything as profound as this movie. But I mean, I think we've all had moments where we've met someone sure. and felt a deep connection with them only to realize that, you know, the timing is wrong timing. or it's just, you know, it's just not going to work not the out. Right people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that is one of the things I think is most universal about this movie. Um, sure. Yeah. What about you? 
uh, nothing like this. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, you're in college, you do summer stuff together and, and you meet people from maybe other parts of the country and, and, you know, for those three weeks or whatever, you feel this connection, but then you get back to your regular life and you realize you don't have that much in common and stuff. So nothing like this though, where it's like, oh man, we connected. And then when you reconnect, you realize, oh, that magic is still there. Like nothing like that. But mm. yeah, it's just, it's a fun movie. I, I think, I mean, fun isn't the right word, but it's, it, it hits you and it's enjoyable to watch someone else's life like this, you know, and not necessarily think about your own life in that sense, but just to think about love and how random it can be and how, you know, the idea that there's, there's people in your life that maybe you missed an opportunity with is, is kind of fun to think about. Yeah. And it's a great movie to talk about afterwards. Like, I think, I think that the, there's so many different ways of interpreting those silences, the things that are left unsaid. Um, so I think it's it's definitely a movie that I, I want to rewatch as soon as I can. So it's mm-hmm. it's a film that I think many people will, will want to revisit. And and it might actually mean different things to you, depending on at what point in your life you watch it. Like if this movie Absolutely. had been out, you know, like 10 years ago and I had watched it for the first time, I would have felt very differently about some of the choices that the characters make than I do now here in 2023 when I watched it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Celine Song said that she hopes that everyone comes away with something different, you know, that it's not one of those movies where you can say, oh, this is exactly what happened, you know, like you know, where you, the plot is so clear. Of course, this is what what she was feeling. Of course, this is what she thought. But no, no, you know, you could have 25 people with 25 different feelings after this movie. So I think that's great. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. You, you, you making a list of people you might call to to go see the you know like someone you haven't seen for twelve years? Just call them up <laughs> out of the blue, say hey. <laughs> oh man, um, I definitely want to rewatch it with friends because I I've been I I the, I the first time I saw this movie, the only time I've seen it thus far was with my partner. And you know, speaking of people having very different interpretations of the film, like we both enjoyed it, um, and. Um, we then afterwards we had this like very in-depth conversation about it where you know i was like oh my gosh i can't believe this this movie la 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 and i <laughs> it was very clear that we had very different interpretations of some of the moments and while we both loved the film my partner was like he she should have she should have run away with Song. she should have been with him <laughs> and i was like yeah. i mean i wanted them to be together but it would never have worked out so it was interesting right. to see how even yeah. like just for the two of us like we had so we came away from the movie with such sure. differing uh, sort of takes, I guess, on the situation. So, but I've been talking yeah. about it with friends, especially other Korean American friends, since the movie came uh-huh. out. And like, I, I mean, now that it's more widely available in theaters, I feel like it's a great mm-hmm. time for people to go watch it or rewatch it. Um, so, yeah, are you planning to rewatch it in theaters while it's while it's out? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I would like to. I think, but I'll definitely, I'll definitely stream it when it comes or buy it when it's out but uh yeah like i said i think theater there's something special about going to see it in the theater so maybe yeah maybe yeah yeah so uh everyone out there i hope that well if you're listening to this part we've already spoiled it for you (laughs) (laughs) but if you haven't seen it yet and you and you are listening to this i think you would still totally enjoy it like i could explain the whole movie to you and you'd still come away with something different i think so yeah definitely Go see this movie if you can. Um, go see it with uh, 
someone of your choosing. Find find someone that would be fun to watch it with and go see it. Um, let's see. Any last questions I want to say here? I think that's it. You have any final thoughts, Gina? Um. Well, just in terms of seeing it in theaters, I will say uh, when we watched it, we watched it at the Angelica Theater, um, which screens a lot of like art house movies, independent movies here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got there, the, there were not that many people in the audience. But then as the as the film like got ready to start, like it became packed. And yeah. so it was a really cool experience because usually when I go see movies there, it's it's. It's not usually like that. Typically, it depends on the movie, of course. But mm-hmm. then, you know, when we all filed out of the theater together, like afterwards, my 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 partner and I walked around East Village. We got a drink to talk about the movie. And I swore I, I could swear, like for blocks, we were still walking with people that had come from seeing the movie. <laughs> we were all talking about it in like different uh-huh. isolated pockets. So another yeah. great another great reason to see it in, in theaters is that. Um, yeah you're able to sort of like be kind of on the fringes of other people's parallel conversations about the movie, yeah. which felt very appropriate for the film as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, and one takeaway is that there's no right or wrong answers sometimes with love, you know? It's yeah. Like, so there's no right or wrong interpretation of this film. I think, I think, you know, everyone can, can say what they want. And I think that's the way life is sometimes, you know, <laughs> you don't know. If you had done one thing different when you were 24, maybe your life would be whole, you know, wholly different now. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Well, Gina, thanks for coming along and talking about this film with me. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was this was so fun. I've been dying to talk about this movie with people. I know, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Celine Song, if you're listening, yeah, come on. We'll we'll add you to this conversation next time. So <laughs> I'm sure she listens to the podcast. So. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. So everyone out there, go see this movie. Um, you know where you can see it. And everyone out there also go grab a copy of Gina's book. It's called Sea Change. You can get it wherever you get your books. But we hope that you go to your local bookstore. Do we do we shout out your favorite bookstore last time? I don't remember if we did that. Well, you want to shout out one anyway? I think we did. Um, I, I think I, I I don't remember. It was probably Books Are Magic here in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, th- yeah actually, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can shout out a different bookstore. Yeah, um, let's do it. Uh, I highly recommend for those who haven't been yet, um, checking out You and Me Books mm-hmm. in Chinatown in Manhattan, New York. It's actually, yeah. I believe, New York City's only female asian american owned bookstore and it's a very yeah. special place lots of great books especially by um authors of color and asian american writers so definitely go check them out absolutely did you do, do a book event there i did i did one with my friend who uh jinu chong who's also a korean writer amazing all right so everyone go go get a copy of gina's book and go watch past lives uh hey if you have an opinion about this film go ahead and write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com always happy to hear other opinions we will i'll read it on the air if it if you send it in to me and you could also dm us or message us on facebook or instagram at infatuation podcast and so thank you so much for listening out there. We could always use your ratings. If you go to Spotify or Apple, you can give us a rating or you can write us a review on Apple. That always helps. And so let's see. I think that's it. So on behalf of Gina and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.